Educated, the show where we feel dumb so you don't have to. I'm your host, Cami Scott, and today we are going to be discussing mental health, the stigmas that still surround it, and how our race, sexuality, and upbringing can impact our relationships with our own mental health. Today's guest is Taylor Patrick. After struggling with her own mental health, she now utilizes her journey to provide education and help to others struggling. Welcome, Taylor. Thanks so much for being here. Hi. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm so excited. I feel like this episode could not come at a more perfect time for me. I've been I know. Woo, mentally all over the place, so I am ready to learn. <laughs> Ooh, I'm here for you, girl. I'm here for you. And we're just going into Minority Mental Health Awareness Month, so that's an even better time to record this. So Perfect timing. Yeah, July 1st. We just jumped into it. We're here. Which is something I already learned from you through texting. I had no idea that that was even a month, so that's yep. so exciting. Yeah, I got you. Before we get into everything, I wanted to talk about your upcoming blog. You're going to be having a website so you can kind of spread the education a little bit further. Will you tell me a bit about it? So I will be launching by the end of the summer, permylastpost.com. It will be my mental health blog. You know, it's supposed to kind of be kind of a little piggyback off of per my last email. Like I told you my favorite, favorite corporate fighting words. So, (laughs) but I like I see, you know, I need the world to know that, you know, we've talked about these things before we've called for attention, you know, per my last post, per my last email, like rain it on in, listen to me again. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I just kind of want that like chill, but very serious, informative, well, not very serious, but very informative, not so serious vibe. I want people to feel really safe when they come to my blog. I want them to, you know, relate or feel okay to ask me questions. And I just, I don't know, I just kind of hope my personality definitely like resonates in that blog. And I want people to hopefully read it when it's out. They will. And talk, they to, will. Me <laughs> and talk to me from there. I, I love it. I think it's such a space that's missing right now. People are scared to talk about mental health and it's a big jump to go from like, oh, I'm not talking about it at all to going and talking to a therapist. Right. And as great as therapy is and as port- important as it is, a lot of people aren't doing it. So to be able to just have a place where you can go on your own, read stories, hear from people and feel a little less alone, it's going to be incredible. I'm so excited that you're doing it. And I, for one, will be using it as well. Thank you. I'm excited about that. So yeah, I just, I want people, I more like, you know, I want them to read it. I want them to take a lot of way. I just want, I just want, I don't know, one more door open for the conversation of, you know, mental, mental, mental health within minorities and especially black people, because it's not something like you said, that's talked about. It's definitely, and I could say on my end, it's really not something we grow up talking about Mm -hmm. and eventually accept. So I just, I don't know. I just, I just want to be one more voice for a little me who really needed it. So I love that. (laughs) I love that. And I think everyone should live by that. Like be that person that you needed because there's a million other little yous out there who do need it now. 5,000%. So before we jump into the education portion of uneducated, you know, we got to do the uneducated (laughs) portion. Why are you laughing? (laughs) Uh, I just feel, I just feel it's something goofy. Are you nervous? (laughs) Okay. So in this segment of the show, I'm going to ask, it's kind of a, are you smarter than a fifth grader question? These are questions we have probably all heard. In our heads, we're going to be like, oh, I should know this. 
And we, we might not, and that's okay. We need to get comfy with being uncomfortable. That's the whole point. So here's our icebreaker. Are Let's you ready? Let's go, Gabby. <laughs> All right. Let me shuffle my questions. I'm to preface this. I don't know the answers. I don't have them out here. I don't, I'm not a step above you here. I am in this with you. All right. Okay, so let me you, shuffle you didn't the try questions. To slide in and guess. Yeah, I've been studying actually. <laughs> <laughs> the question is the flag of the European Union Goodbye. features <laughs> features a circle of how many stars? I'm gonna let you take this one. <laughs> I gotta be honest. Um, I didn't. I didn't know there was a flag. I okay. So I just immediately heard European, and I don't know why, but literally the UK flag popped up, and I was like, "That's not okay." There's a million other flags. Oh, I thought I thought you were doing some logic and like like that Julia Roberts meme. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know. I'm gonna throw a yeah. number out there. I don't have an educated guess. I'm trying to think of like how many people are in the. European un- people, Pe- not people. Oh my god! Human beings, animals, the plants. <laughs> Ten million stars. Um, I'm gonna go with eight. It feels like a good number. Thirteen feels. No, I think that's a pretty American number. Do we have a flag here? Whatever. Thirteen <laughs> feels. <laughs> thirteen feels right. right. Taylor says thirteen. I said eight. Let's find out what the answer is. That's too many. <laughs> Where did the answer go? All right. I, if we're doing like a above, if you go above, you're out. Yeah. I technically win. But if we're doing a closest, you win. It's 12. The more you know. The more you know. So. But who would know that? I don't know. I, I always, I really need all the listeners to go comment, go like in the reviews of the show or whatever. Tell me if you knew these answers. I'm so curious who actually knows them. And if I'm dumb. No, you know what? And I know European listeners. I really need to, well, you know what? Are there European listeners that didn't know that either? Because I don't know, I don't know like, all of our flags. <laughs> tell us if you know it. Tell us if you don't know it. Make us feel better. We're all comfy now. There's things that we don't know. Now let's get into learning what we do bit. know. <laughs> so before we jump into your personal journey with mental health, I would love for you to share something you shared with me the other day. I think it really sets the tone for this podcast episode. And it's something we kind of briefly discussed in the last episode as well. And that's the idea of the strong black woman. And I just love your thoughts on that. So would you mind sharing? Of course. Yeah. So it's one of those things where I know people, they mean it, you know, as a compliment or some people do. Um, And it can be like the strong black woman, we can take that as a compliment, but at the same time, it's something that heavily discounts us from a lot of things in life. Like a lot of, well, I'm not gonna say a lot of people, I'm just going to say society. So if I interchange that a bit, I just really mean society here. But um, it's kind of one of those things where people just think, oh, she's that strong black girl, you know, she can take it. We're pushed aside. And even like a really great example, um, and my girlfriend mentioned this to me the other day about, you know, Serena Williams spoke about how she felt something was wrong during her pregnancy and her doctor just kind of wrote it off like, Oh, nope, you're fine. It's not this, you know, you're, you're strong. And, um, I can't remember if my girlfriend told me she ended up getting another doctor or once she delivered her baby, they were like, Hey, by the way, this is what was wrong. I don't know who, you know, dropped the ball on that. And it, you know, but this should have been taken more seriously. You should have been listened to. And that's just one of those really big examples to me, at least, um, you know, about how society kind of gets it wrong with us sometimes with that strong, 
um, black woman, like I said, you know, they think we can just take it or they think our health problems aren't as serious, you know, as other people. And it's, it's such a dangerous, like really dangerous term. Um, but kind of what I shared with you is that I just kind of said that we just must fully truly understand how black women are viewed in society. Um, and then, you know, I, I asked you, had you heard the term and how we're lifted up to the standard? And like I said, it's something that's not even worth, you know, celebrating. It's something that kind of takes everything away from us and says that, you know, this is thrown your way. You don't feel emotions. You don't feel anything. You just keep pushing, you keep working. Um, and then, you know, and if we're not viewed as that strong black woman, we're, we're automatically, we're mad. You know, there, there's no middle ground for us. There's no, she's scared. You know, there's, there's no, she's sad. You're automatically, you're that strong black woman, or you're that pissed off mad black woman that's coming into places, you know, guns and words ablazing. And, you know, and I just think that's something that's so dangerous to black women as a whole. And, you know, I can only really speak for myself, quote unquote, you know, but I know that I can speak on behalf of a lot of black, black women that says, you know, that's, that's a dangerous thing for me. You know, like you can view me as a strong person, you know, like, Oh girl, you handled that. That's nicely. So strong of you, but don't associate that with you. Y'all know you had a girl. That's strong black girl. You didn't need my help. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, you didn't need my help, whatever, (laughs) you know, it's no big deal. And that's just something that, it's this really, really dangerous rhetoric and image that's just thrown our way. And I just really want people to change it up a little. Like, thank you. You can admire me. Mm-hmm. I, I love that I, you know, had the strength to get over a lot of things in life. You know, here I am. But I don't want that to ever discount and be like, oh, there you go. You you did that on your own, girl. You did that. You know, all by, I don't want that. I don't want to have said I did it all by myself. Yeah. Like, I'm glad there was a lot that I did take care of. But, you know, I... In this community, people, we need to, not even just we as black people, but, you know, the medical world, like, look, look at us, like, mm-hmm. extend a hand, like, check on us, you know, go deeper into it. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's a, don't know if you can tell, that's a little passion <laughs> for me. But. It just <laughs> feels like that, especially black women's emotions are discounted. And it's like, like you said, Absolutely. there's no middle ground. There's this idea of like, the angry black woman or the strong black woman. You're either just like, yep. wow, all all cards are stacked against you, but you are just so strong. You don't break down. There's power in pain and showing that pain. And yeah, Absolutely. like you said, it, there's a lot of people I think mean so, so much goodness behind being like, you are so strong. That's great. You want to be right. strong. We all want to be strong. But that doesn't mean that someone who breaks down isn't strong. That's not to say that someone who gets help for their own mental issues and that they're trying to sort out isn't strong. Recognizing those things is strong. And I think that's the rhetoric and connotation that we need to change with the words of being strong doesn't mean hiding emotions. Showing emotions is is powerful and strong. I think that's so strong within itself. And that like you said, I, I think that's huge. Yeah. I think, you know, the more you open up, I think that's a stronger person, you know, and, and not to ever discredit, you know, a black person or anyone really. And then quick side note, just know on this call, cause I haven't laughed or told my girlfriend this, we were talking about something else and I was like, well, I'm saying this, but just know I'm including everyone. I, I'm inclusive, but I'm at the point, my black voice, I've been inclusive enough. I'm still going to be, but I don't need to put that disclaimer out there anymore. You don't you know, need to do like- any disclaimers. I think that's the whole <laughs> point of this podcast of, and you and I, when we had our first call and little sidebar, Taylor and I became friends because she called me out for a post from years ago that 
upset her, rightfully so, and came across as racist. And I've just learned so much of how my words can impact others. And we can get into all of that later. But we kept trying to justify ourselves to each other. That's the whole point of this. You don't need to justify. You don't need to say, well, I'm not speaking for everyone. We know you are speaking for yourself and speaking your truth. And we are all just trying to hear each other's stories. We aren't trying to say that this applies to everyone or everyone needs to do this or that. We are sharing what we've been through and what would be helpful to us. So yeah. I love that. Cut cut the justifications. Yes. Cut the shit. Let's just talk real talk. You're so fine. All right. So talking about your specific journey, tell me about how that happened for you. When was your first memory of mental health, whether it was the education behind it or your own personal, oh, I I think I need help with something. What was that journey like for you? So for me, and I have this in an Instagram post, but and I, I think I even like talked to you about it a little, but for me, it was actually in the form of social anxiety. You know, I just didn't know what the fuck that was at the time. I just was this nervous ass kid who was already quote unquote anxious, you know, before I knew the word. Um, and then I just was thrown into another situation where I was just like clamming up. Um, and I actually like thought really hard about this. I feel like quarantine is is the, the home of like self realizations, these like epiphanies, these, you know, like you're dredging up old traumas in oh, a sense yeah. that you just have more time to think about. So For good and bad. I was just sitting here. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know. And I, oof, <laughs> oof, we'll get to that. <laughs> but, but I just one day was thinking and I was like, you know, I don't know why this memory has stuck out to me like my entire life. Like I think about it so frequently, especially like in nervous situations. And as of recently, you know, I've like been talking to my therapist more and I also um, have a psychiatrist. So it's, I've been talking to those two and I, you know, to the main point of the story, when I was younger, I had to go to this birthday party and it was like for a family friend. So more so family friends of my mom. And then, you know, like all of your kids are the same age. So, okay, bring them to a party together type ordeal, or we need to fill some seats in our house. Like, you know, come everybody that we don't talk to every single day kind of thing. So to me, it was already like a pointless party. And I was just like, you know, I could, I could spend my time at home. Why not? Um, but this pointless party, my mom's like, we got to go, you know? Um, oh, family friend, but she worked with mm-hmm. the person. So that's another thing. Um, and my mom is really big on images, but whatever. Yeah, that's so a she's lot like, of, that's know, just added pressure, especially on a kid. Like, yep. Behave well, do this yep. right. And it, oh, oh, and that definitely is, oof, if I'd say that's the foundation of the story. <laughs> yes. But, you know, so she's like, we have to go, you know, it's Barbara's, you know, Barbara. birthday essentially for a kid. <laughs> of course it's Barbara. Sorry. <laughs> That got me. It's literally something close. I'm not even going to play with you. It's close to it. But, you know, she's like, this is Barb's kid's party. Like, you know, I see this woman daily. Like, be on your best behavior. You have to go. I'm not going by myself. You're going. Blah, blah, blah. Cool. So, you know, like I, and you know, in black kids, we don't throw tantrums. We, we can't do that. We can't express anything that's not okay. Whatever my mom says, I go with it. And that's that's something else. We'll Already ingraining you being that strong black woman yeah. put together. Yeah. Yep. As a black kid, you just did not get in trouble the same way, but we'll hop to that. I think it's kind of in my story too. But, um, you know, so, you know, I have to go to this party. She drags me along like the whole car ride there. Again, don't know why I can remember these specifics of that day, but I feel like maybe that just meant my little mind was trying its hardest to like, you know, that fight or flight thing, like work on itself, like Mm -hmm. coping away. Um, so it just stuck to me. So, you know, we're on the way, still don't want to go get there. I have to like look really excited to be around these kids that I really don't know. So, you know, that's another thing. So I get there and I just like 
you know, what a normal kid, well, I don't like to say the word normal, honestly, but when the average kid, a kid without social anxiety, yeah, you know, like your average Mm -hmm. kid, yeah, with, with nothing, you know, on the radar, you know, shows up to a party, they see kids running and screaming and playing and they're like, shit, count me in. Like, yeah, just hop right in. I'm like, yeah, right. Like hold myself, mom, I'm gone. (laughs) And me, you know, like, and I wasn't one to really like, I was one of those kids that could really cling to my mom because we just, we'd never had Mm -hmm. that. But, you know, I just, for lack of better phrase, you know, clung to my mom and, you know, can I help you take this over there? Sure. Like I froze, like kids are excited. Oh my excited. God, I'm the queen of finding excuses to, of things to do at parties. Like I'll do yeah. the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you, did you, you meant to remodel that room down the hall? I got you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like that was me as a kid. Like I was, I was very helpful to the adults because I just could not dive in. But um, just to make a very long story short, I just spent the entire party terrified as if the floor was lava like if I left my little chair that I associated myself with I don't know I'd catch on fire like I might die at that party it's like what little me thought and I just could not leave the table and the whole time like I see adults looking and whispering like oh she's kind of bad like they like she's being a weirdo you know all this stuff or you know she has an attitude oh that's a big thing we always had attitudes growing up so you know she automatically she's having an attitude she's sitting in her chair my mom you know came over and she's like kind of trying to like nudge me more so like mm-hmm. get me out and to play with the kids and you're I embarrassing like, me get out there yes exactly so not only do I look like this child with the attitude now I'm looking to the kids like you know the one that's getting in trouble like her mom's on her so it, it's you know and then I'm also thinking what are the adults thinking do they think I'm bad do they think I'm just so and like I don't know again I don't know how many times I'll tell you I don't know why this stuck to me but like this entire party setup just sticks to me and like for years down the line <clears throat> I just like always thought about how my mom was like, you're being a weird kid, like get up. None of the other kids are acting like this, you know? And so, so that to me is like one of the moments where I really started, I guess my education didn't start there, but I started noticing like, I'm not quite like the other kids. And it was weird because at school, you know, I was, we'll just say normal here because, and you know, in my mind at the time it felt normal, but Stop at school, with the justification. You got- <laughs> you're right. Oh my God. But yeah, as a kid, I remember like I was a fake extrovert. Like I'd go introduce myself to people all the time. And I don't know if I like made myself. Do I it. still am a fake extrovert <laughs> that like introvert, extrovert, neither faking yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. I, yeah. I mean, I'm a <laughs> Oh yeah. I just show up and I'm smiling all the time, you know? And I mean, like, I mean it at work, but you know, I just know <laughs> if you're listening, don't try. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, you know, just one of those things where I knew I had it in me, like I knew I could introduce myself, but just something was off. Yeah. But, um, and then I think I ended up actually getting in trouble after that party. Like, I just remember always being so nervous that I'd act a certain way in mm-hmm. public. And the moment we got in the car, my mom would like smile her way to the car, shut that door and just go yeah. in. It's crazy that those are the the moments that stick with us. Like you kept saying, I don't know why this is with me. Like there was no massive thing that happened. Like you weren't surrounded by a bunch of little kids and they were like, look at this weirdo. And yeah. you, you remember parents whispering. They might've not even been talking about you. No. Every exactly. little kid may have good not point. even noticed, but when you have social <laughs> anxiety, it is ma- like, I honestly, I feel like my anxiety is speaking just hearing you say that. Cause I'm like, yes, yes, that's how I feel. And yeah. I overthink everything yep. at any kind of event. I'm so worried what everyone else is thinking and feeling, and it can be just so overwhelming until you do start kind of acting up because you're thinking about the possibility of doing something wrong. So then you do do something wrong and it's just so overwhelming. <laughs> 
And then you're panicked about that because now you've got to top on yeah, what you actually and did. Like, yeah. I don't I wish nobody felt this, but especially a kid, like as kids, we shouldn't be worried about what everyone's thinking. And we shouldn't we should just be free to play and have fun and not care for those things. So to have that experience as a child is just so intense and so overwhelming. And I'm I'm sure your mom meant no harm by the little way she was right. reinforcing those feelings. But when you don't talk to your kids about mental health and you don't check in with them and instead of just being like, why are you acting up? Why are you being a bad kid? Yeah. Ask yourself why. Check in on your kids. Don't just reprimand them. There's something going on there. And if these conversations started younger, I think when we get to our age and older, we could not deal with a lot of these issues that we are having yeah. now. So I'm so sorry that you had social anxiety at such a young age. I'm so happy that you are aware of those feelings now and working to fix it. Absolutely. Like I absolutely feel comfort just hearing these stories. So I know other people must be too. I talk about mental health a lot and I feel like I'm the I'm the one who needs to learn the most. Like I don't actively go to therapy yet. I tell everyone else that they should. Like I'm so uncomfortable with mental health, but I'm constantly telling everyone else like, yeah, just it's fine. It's normal. Talk about it. And it's such like a difficult thing for me, which is why I wanted to do this podcast episode with you to kind of yeah. force myself to hear it and listen to it. Do you still? I felt both ways on that. That made me smile because you're confronting it. You want to talk about it. I'm also like, I'm sorry that you, you know, you feel the way you feel at times. And also not to, not to throw your point out the park, but have you seen that meme where it's literally SpongeBob and it's like how I tell my friends to deal with mental health. And he's like, come on. And then he's like, and it's like, versus how I handle it. And he's like in that cafe, like, yeah, that do it. is me. I am SpongeBob or whoever's in that meme. <laughs> yeah, I'm constantly telling people like, yeah, do this, do that, whatever. But it is so hard to take that step. Do you have any advice it for is. people on like how how did you take your first step to go talk to a professional? I feel like that's a question that I have and yeah. I know a lot of other people have and friends ask me like, I know I should go talk to somebody, but I just – Ooh, it's so hard to do. Yeah, so I have actually four answers to that. It'll make sense in a second. But um, so, and this is something that I've always been nervous, but I, I told myself I wanted to talk about, and I have talked about why I went to therapy. I had an extreme meltdown, essentially. I also suffer from terrible PMDD. So, <sighs> you know, too. and yeah. Yeah, I remember <laughs> like, after, oh like a little after, yeah, after my little, you know, shebang of an episode I saw that you did too like I think you posted something a couple weeks later um but I just and I was like oh we should talk about that but I just essentially had this like meltdown like it started with um just some simple could have been the smallest thing and I always ask my girlfriend if I can talk about it and you know she's so there for me and she's like please always do but it really just started with us just like going out for lunch together like some cute day day date day that I sent to shit like my period was rolling up and it was at the point, my PMDD got to the point sometimes where she'd joke and be like, okay, I've packed my period bag, like about my period. She's like, I packed my period runaway bag, like to go like 30 minutes to her parents' house. And then when you're having PMDD, you're like, that's the worst thing to say to someone. Um, Quickly, <laughs> for people who don't know what PMDD is, uh, in the simplest terms ever, it's like PMS heightened 
And for me, it is shown in depression. So a week before my period, I get really, really low and really, really depressed. And then I get my period and it kind of goes away, which is, I consider a blessing that it goes away. Um, But yeah, anyways, just wanted to clear that up. I know a lot of people don't know what PMDD even is. Yeah. And you know, I just told, which... I'm shocked. I'm just now telling one of my best friends about it, but because I thought, I feel like I've discussed it with her before, mm-hmm. but it never clicked to her that, you know, let me pay attention around my period. But we were just like talking about this literally yesterday, last night, I was like sending her links because I can, I can't pronounce the word I'm not about. To try to do that. <laughs> but um, um, so I was just, you know, kind of telling her about that. But for me, it's the same. I get really, really depressed that week before my period. But then my depression turns into frustration because I'm so depressed and, you know, I can't get out of it. I don't want to do anything. Like I just, I don't feel like myself. And then I get really frustrated. I kind of, I'm more snappy. Mm -hmm. So it's like irritability times 30. Like my girlfriend breathes and I'm like, could you just go pass away? Like, it's really unnecessary. It's like horrible. Like, yeah, but like, it's much better medicated. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, so back, you know, so it's happened last April it just started with like us being out on a date and just, you know, a couple of vodka sodas, you know, like the typical lesbians. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we're like talking about, you know, um, we're just like sitting on the patio at this bar and who, if I kid you not, it could have been something so simple as, Hey, did you remember to like put my mascara in my purse before we left? And she probably was like, I always do. Why are you asking? I guess a joke, like I got this. And I was just like, well, how dare you question how I act? like that? You oh know, it God. just went. You are describing me to a T. It's yeah. so bad. And like, it was wild, like something that simple where, you know, I'm like starting to challenge her. So then she's like, well, it's time to go home. So she's like, you know, driving us home. She's like trying to keep the vibe going. And I'm sitting there ba- like, uh, you know, again, don't know the conversation, but I just probably was like, how dare you be so happy on this <laughs> ride home? Like yeah. be angry, be miserable mm-hmm. with, you know? And so I'm like screaming while she's driving and being so distracting. And I'm just like, and this is the dramatic part she has like a ton of um it's not dramatic yet it's gonna get more dramatic (laughs) it's goofy so you know those like vanity fair napkins like those little like table napkins so she keeps those in her glove box so i don't know i just turned into like the petty pmdd queen and i like fling open her glove box and i'm just like (laughs) throwing it i just (laughs) yanking trash out in her car yes just (laughs) yanking I love that we can laugh about it now. (laughs) And it was just, it made no sense. Like, it's so funny now, but looking back. Well, because you want to release. You want, when when you're feeling the feelings of anxiety, depression, especially with PMDD, because it's just so much all at once, you want an outlet in a way. And when you're not either taking vitamins or medication or under, like, if you don't understand it, I mean, I just realized I have PMDD. Like it has affected relationships, it like oh, with friends girl, yes. and people I've dated. And I didn't even realize what was happening. I was like, why am I horrible? Like it feels like yeah. half of a month. It feels so long. It, but- no, it feels like because I don't know if so you said yours is the week before, then your period hits mm-hmm. and you subside. What about that week after? Like once your hormones like try to kind of balance themselves back out after your period, do you that's a great question. Um, I'm not sure. I again, I don't handle this as I should. Um, I'm like, I also am like self-diagnosed PMDD. Like, I I'm afraid of doctors. It's I have issues, people. Like, I I got a lot of issues. I gotta work out. Um, <laughs> I'm not really sure. I have been trying to like keep a log so I can somewhat understand it, but 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get, and it's just been heightened during quarantine because I mean, I think a lot of people's mental health has taken a dip and just been really difficult. So typically right before my period, very, very low, very depressed. And then period comes kind of subsides. And I'm not sure after that's a great question that I'm going to start. Yeah, nope, that next I'm time. really going to start logging and under and trying to understand. I think because I finally have a little bit of energy, I then like throw mm-hmm. myself into work or activities and things that make me feel good. And I get really drained easily like that. Like I'm either like doing 12 million things or doing nothing. It's or burnt yeah, out. I'm like, I'm all or nothing. And it's really bad place to be. I need to find some balance. Yeah, no, I'm kind of like that too. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think I like force myself to think about other things so I don't have to deal with it. Um, I'm queen of suppression. So I suppress my depression. Um, <laughs> I feel like you're just having a therapy session with me. I'm like, I'm not going to go to therapy. So, so I'm, I'm just going to talk like... to you. <laughs> but then there's me and I'm like encouraging. And I'm like, okay, so do you think, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm, no I'm not better. really sure, but, um, Oh, back to my question for you about getting help. It really makes me sad that we have to get to a point where we have this big breakdown to finally get help. And I think if we were all talking about it more and making resources more readily available, which again, plugging your blog again, I cannot wait till it's out. I think if we had that middle step, we wouldn't have to get to that breakdown. So the analogy I use um, to give advice that I then don't take is you wouldn't feel like you had to do all the electrical work in your house. You're not a professional. You might wire something up wrong and then blow a fuse or- Then it explodes. Yeah, a fire. Like you would never think that you had to handle all of those things on your own. So why do we feel the need to handle our mental health on our own? Professionals aren't just somebody to listen. They're somebody who who has spent hours and hours and years on studying how brains work, how our emotions work, what can fix it. And that doesn't always mean medication because I know a lot of people are afraid, as I am, to go on medication. Yeah, yeah. So it's like we we rely it's on all fair. these professionals in other aspects of our lives. Like we don't all do our own hair. We go to a salon. So why can't we also apply that same thing to our mental health? I don't have those answers because, like I said, I'm not doing great with that. I, <laughs> I don't know if you do. I don't know if anyone You're does. You're going to get there. You are going to get there. <laughs> After this podcast, I'm getting there. Um, I'm going to check in. It's just in. frustrating that like we feel that because it's our own brains that we have to deal with it alone. And it's such a bummer. And yeah. I just wish that that wasn't the case. And I, I think everyone mainly deals with that. And then as you mentioned in the beginning, like adding on the implication of race and how you have to be stronger and more put together than your white counterparts. It's just another thing of like, handle it on your own, handle it on your own. So then you have to get to this rock bottom where you don't have any other hope to then go get help. And that is something that I would love to see a change in. And I would love to nix that stigma and us just get help for our mental health the way we do with everything else. So I agree. I mean, that's, exactly what happened to me. You hit a rock bottom. You think, you know, I can only keep hurting the same people. I can only keep hurting myself so much in any sense, you know, there's levels to that, but in any sense, um, that you're just like, okay, I can't do this anymore. And kind of with our story after I, you know, got done flailing napkins all over the place, (laughs) I just went from 
literally flailing napkins to balling them up. I think I was throwing them because I'm not violent at all. Like I'm not violent. So this is the, to me the softest, most petty thing. So I'm like literally throwing them like a child at my driving girlfriend while, you know, driving girlfriend at my girlfriend who's focused while driving. And I'm going from, how are you like not paying attention to me? Like I'm throwing these napkins. I have a, like, you're going to listen to calm down. I'm just trying to get us home safely to, I just like start screaming and like melting down and just bawling in the car. Like, and just like demanding she pull over just so I can like cry. And I'm like, I think I'm going to throw up. Like nothing was wrong with me. I like, not even close to being drunk, like no type of buzz. And I was like, I need to throw up, like just pull, I want to cry. Like I want to scream. And it just, I just felt so out of touch, like with my emotions and with myself at that moment that like, I, I just calmly asked her, I was like, can you just drive me home so I can like get some clothes and you can take me to the hospital? Like, I just didn't feel like yeah. myself anymore. And I knew I wasn't like, you know, at a, like an extreme point of the spectrum where I was just like a huge danger to myself or just, um, or, you know, dealing with something way more serious than PMDD. But, you know, I just knew like, I was like, this isn't like, this isn't me. Like I, some, something's got to give, someone's got to help me. Like I can't just use my like angel of a girlfriend as a punching Mm -hmm. bag every month, you know, with a period runaway bag. Like that's not okay. So kudos to you for recognizing that. I think your body kind of just goes into like SOS mode where it's like, Mm -hmm. this is not right. Something's wrong. I think like when you're not taking care of your brain, it's like signaling distress signals to the rest of your body. I mean, that's why a lot of people do physically feel anxiety and depression and other mental health issues because when you're not fixing your brain, it's like trying to get your attention in any way possible. So yeah, you aren't yourself in that moment. You're not someone who's throwing napkins at your girlfriend while she's driving. And that's scary (laughs) to not feel like yourself is really scary. I've had a couple breakdowns these last couple of weeks of just crying. And then in the middle of it and having awful thoughts, I'm like, what is happening? Like, who is that? Like, I'm so yeah. level-headed and put together most of the time. What is going on? Why am yeah. I feeling like this tiny little insignificant thing that's bad, quote unquote, bad that happened is the end of the world. I feel like literally like a teenager again, where I mean, teenagers have so many hormones running in it and everything feels so big because it is so big when you are that age. It is massive. And I'm feeling that when I'm going through PMDD where everything just feels like too much and I'm overwhelmed by like the wind blowing too hard. It's just so overwhelming. Yes. Literally, like I said, when my girlfriend just existing and I'd be like, you don't want to stop breathing for a few minutes, you know, just for no reason like that. Like you said, you just recognize that and you just know like that's that's not okay. Like, that's not me. So yeah. So I just, that weekend, you know, went and sought treatment medically and let them know like, no, tonight I wasn't being dangerous, but have I had dark thoughts? Yes. Have I had some scary ones? Yes. But in the, I guess the difference for me, um, mine was kind of not kind of, it was voluntary Mm -hmm. essentially. Um, and mine was also like, yes, I'll be honest with you. I've had some self-harming thoughts. I've never acted on them in my life. So I don't know if that's what made my treatment a little more lax. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember like I had a babysitter for like eight hours. And, you know, I think once he really realized like, okay, maybe this was just something she was going through in the moment. She's very chill now. We started watching like dog videos together because he couldn't give me my phone back. So he's like, do you like whatever type of dog it was? And I was like, I'll do anything for technology right now, please. So, that's you know, sweet. Yeah. I like that. so it was just one of those. But even then I just kind of was like, but before I go home, please make sure that, you know, we talk about, because there are days where it, 
I can be scared. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, it's even so weird to say out loud because, you know, you look at yourself, how you think like, I'm so logical most yeah. of the time. Like I'm so calm. Like that's not me. You know, I'm rational, but you know, it's scary to think in those moments, like you just can't like accept that that's you sometimes. So that maybe that's why it's harder to get the help because you're like, that's just a lapse. You know, I'm, that's not me. I know 90% of the time I'm this like ray, like I'm shitting rainbows 90%. Like you can't trust that other 10. Like that's not me, you know? So yeah. So yeah, you put that perfectly. I feel like that's how I feel since it's for me, it is specifically PMDD. So there is like, there's always that light at the end of the tunnel. So once I get through that, I'm like, I can forget it. I can forget the feelings I had in those moments. And then I'm not getting the help, but I feel like it'd be so much more helpful to get the help when I'm not feeling those things. So I can logically think them through and know how to deal with it in those moments. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard out here. You'll get there. Well, what I would say, because it really is, what I would say, um, because I think you asked me what I would say to someone who is kind of like in your position and they're at a point where they're like, okay, I've got to, I've got to do something about this. And I was speaking with someone who I just really am so close to, and I love them a lot. Um, They were just kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm starting to feel, I don't feel like me. I'm not processing things the same way, you know, I've been strong and this, this person is black, you know, and they were like, I've been strong, you know, I can only do so much. Like I I know that I can handle X, Y, Z, but sometimes ABC is a little weird for me. I don't know, just one of those things. And I, you know, and then this person was like, you know, and, and what if it's not in my, and I, I think a lot of people, even when they are a little quote unquote well off for some reason, they pull this justification like, oh, it's not in my budget. And I'm like, why is it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I start telling people, I'm like, that should be like, you know, because yeah. I, I know I'm quick to be like, ooh, those shoes, that dress, like what's a couple hundred, but I'm like, ooh, I haven't met my deductible and I need to pay out of pocket. Like for some reason, I don't know why mental health is put at such a low point. I do know why, but we put it. Why wouldn't we invest in our mental health yeah. above makeup, shoes, going out to dinner? Like, exactly. That's the most important thing. We're not going to enjoy those new shoes and going out to dinner in them if we're not feeling good ourselves. So yeah, yeah, it's like, why am I willing to spend $200 on a fitness membership? And then my body might be healthy, but not internally. Right. Yeah. And so that's, that's what I was telling this person. And you know, they were just kind of like, well, you know, fearful that what if I can't afford it? And I'm like, I I know you, I know what you do for a living. I know how you handle your money. You can afford it. You've got this. You're just another excuse. And then, um, so what I just in short told that person, yes, you can afford it. You make it a part of you, but at the same time, um, this needs to be something that you commit to because the fact that you noticed it lets me know, you know, it's happened enough that you can recognize it. Um, and even if it hasn't, it's at the point where you know yourself, you know, you need to see someone, you know, and don't be ashamed. Like, please yeah. don't, you know, it, because, you know, and I look back on myself and wonder, like, I know why I was ashamed in the sense of community and who else would know, but I don't know why I was also like ashamed a little to go to the therapist themselves. Like I felt the therapist would just, and you know, as you know, by now, I always have to put a disclaimer in there. I'm always justifying myself. I, my first therapy session, I'm like, okay, now this isn't me. Like it just, stupid stuff thinking my therapist of all people is about to like roll in there judging me or like sending me away from being too damaged or something so I don't know I just you know I want more people to see the accessible resources to just know it's not it's really not scary it's scary but it's not scary you know yeah (laughs) I wish that we would work in going to therapy like we do for doctor's checkups the gym because I think I well I know for me and I think for a lot of other people it's like 
I have to catch you up on 29 years of my life? Like, can I write a book and hand it to you and hand it to like three different therapists? They all read it. Then they come back to me and whoever I vibe with. Like, I think that commitment of, I'm not good at opening up to anyone and I've gotten better recently with friends and family. So then to add on another person to open up with, I think that's what's overwhelming for me. I so wish, and I, and I hope to do this for my kids that like every six months, you're just going to go chat with someone. It's not a big deal. Just take it like a doctor's visit, one hour, sit down, fill them in on what's going on in your life. So then they already know these things because I think that's what's been really overwhelming for me of like, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to unpack this stuff. And like, I don't know. And yeah. And then I like, I have this like guilt where I'm like, I I can't have trauma. Like I had a great upbringing. Like this was all fine. Like I feel like I'm not allowed to feel not good, which is so silly. Mm -hmm. Like saying, I think saying these things is really helping me because I'm hearing how ridiculous it sounds and what advice I would give to somebody saying the things I'm saying. Yeah. And this might sound so corny, but I'm over here. Like I actually like feel like I can tell you know, that you're kind of having these realizations and like, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully I do something about it. But yeah, I, I just think if these kind of conversations are happening more often and we're all realizing that we're going through this stuff, it wouldn't be such a stigma. And, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know if I've ever said this, but I think we're kind of lucky that we live in America. <laughs> uh, I know. This is the only me. time stay you say me. it. I know this sounds that shit crazy. Okay, here we go. Let's, but let's go. I know a lot of people from other countries where it is like, it's a stigma here and a, a stigma mm-hmm. on different levels for different people. But my gosh, I remember I was talking to an ex one time and was saying like, I think I want to start going to therapy. Like I, nothing bad was going on. I was just, I had been thinking about it a lot and thinking that I should be going. And she said to me, why would you go to therapy? There's nothing wrong with you. And I was like, and luckily I had already kind of come to a point in my journey where I respect therapy and think it's great. And I was like, so that's not the point. Like, I know there's nothing wrong with me, but it's really good to go. And I had just been like kind of struggling with different thoughts and like ideas and who I was. I was going through like a really hard time in my life. And God, if I would have just done it, went to therapy, I think I would have saved myself a lot more trauma. (laughs) Then add, girl. Same. I think I've I've some self inflicted traumas too, just from like situations that I've put myself in, and purposely too. You know, yeah. or even relationships essentially that I stayed in too long, oh or ways about myself that I just whole other day, right? Yeah. <laughs> whole other time. We'll jump. <laughs> we'll get there. Or let's just throw that to the side. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we talked about how kind of race has an added level of a stigma on your mental health. Um, do you think being gay has added any other level of dealing with your mental health? Has it made you more open oh. to learning things or less open or cause more traumas? <laughs> well, we all know it did, but <laughs> I was like, let's, let's maybe say all of the above. Oh, we can do that. Yeah. Like let, let's definitely, let's, let's say all the above because I know that being gay is a part of some of my underlying mental health things, but not at all because I'm gay. You know, it's the fact that I was hiding myself, you know, and I think a lot of, you know, queer people can feel this way. You're hiding, you're living such another life that you essentially are balancing out two different personalities, two different people 
bouncing back and forth, you're hiding a lot about yourself. So you're already dealing with, you know, fake use Mm -hmm. reality. And then while hiding, you know, while hiding real use reality, and they both might have these two conflicting anxieties. Like I just think that they're, you know, because you're already trying to balance reality use or fake reality use, you know, anxiety. But then you've got to like suppress this this true voice that's trying to like cry out or be like, you know, listen to me. Absolutely. it's a lot. And like I said, my mental health over a lot of the years I hid myself was declining, but it was not declining drastically because mm-hmm. I was gay. You know, it, you know, it's the fact that I couldn't be gay openly, yeah. you know, so. And that makes think, a lot of sense. Yeah. And I just think that mine in the black sense was a little more stressful because not only am I hiding that I know something's a little different about me. I'm also, like I said, I'm also hiding that I'm gay. So I've got these two double whammies that it's like, I already can't bring this up in my community. Oh, that either. So it's like just so it's at that point where I've got so many things that I'm hiding about myself that I'm thinking like nothing about real you needs to be out there. You have to, you know, put that aside. That's a molehill. Like, you know, don't make a mountain out of molehill with that one or whatever it is. Whatever. You know, um <laughs> I'm going to google that after. But, you know, so it's <laughs> like so it gets to the point where you're hiding so much about yourself where you're thinking am I at all good enough for this world? Why do I exist? There's nothing good about Mm -hmm. me that can be celebrated, that can be talked about. And I just think then it it turns into like a resentment in a sense. So, you know, so the, there's the self-love is missing because you don't know which you to love. You know, the, the honest part about yourself is missing. Like I grew up, I was a pretty honest kid, but when I look back on it, you know, I lied my entire life because, you know, you know, so it, I don't know. It just, so many things were like called into question. Um, that is such a good point yeah. about like, I didn't even think about how having kind of the two lives when you're in the closet really affects you. Like uh, you're hiding half of you pretty much at all times from different people. But then that also in turn hides who you really are from yourself. It's so like when you're not fully checked in with yourself at all times and you're like picking parts of you to show to different people, that is internally so confusing. And wow, I need to go journal about this after this call. I'm like, whoa, that's... Yeah, please do. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, you think back on quiet gay you as a kid and you, you look at any girl that you may have thought you had a crush on, you're like, oh, if you don't feel that way, think away, you know? So you're already like convincing yourself of something that's not true. And I don't know, it just, there was just always like a conflicting me. And then for me being gay, it's like nothing, a part of me again, wasn't, was fitting into the whitewashed life that I was having to live growing up because growing up, we were not rich. No, but I went to a really amazing school in my um, elementary middle school years um that you know is one of those huge like collegiate prep schools like those big fancy like extremely college tuition type schools that you have to in my mind at times as a kid and you know being one of the few people in my family that goes to these type of schools I'm having to you know put on this kit you know show the world that I am this not angry non-confrontational quiet smart educated rule-following black girl she can't be gay (laughs) she can't be anxious she can't not focus in class you know she constant pressure of be this yeah. specific person, not like be yourself yeah. and be the best version of that person. And there's going to be right. things that you don't necessarily love about yourself and you're going to work on, but you are so focused on like, I must be this and I must be that. And I can't show Lady this. Ladylike and straight. Where it's right. like, how, and as a kid, how do you even figure out who you are and what you want when you're trying to just be yeah. a million different things for everyone else? Right. And, and as a kid for me, as being a black kid, what's harder is, you know, I think, so the way I look at it, 
growing up and I like a lot of my best friends growing up are always white. So the way I can kind of see it is they already have these standards that they're trying to fit into. Mm-hmm. Throw in a black girl who was not born into this life. So not only, you know, am I having to maintain my life, now I've got to fit into your standards to make sure I'm good enough outside of the ones I'm already having to fit. So it was just, you know, it was it was just a lot. And then kind of going back to the strong, black, you know, black kids have to be strong too. We didn't act up in class. We focused all the time. You don't melt down with your friends because, ooh, my dramatic black, you know, because we're I, I'm as a black girl, I'm so different from you that ooh, the way she's reacting is too mm-hmm. much. Like you know, stay away from her. So we, we're constantly fighting a stereotype you know, while growing up, constantly, absolutely at all times. I remember as a kid, like learning about what stereotypes were at a young age, and I like spent way too. This is like too much that a kid should have been worrying about, but I was just an anxious yeah. one. I spent so much of like my middle school years, like trying to make sure I was not fitting into black stereotypes. Not okay. Like just not. And I don't know. It's so annoying to think about. I feel like if you fit into a specific stereotype, even if it's a good thing, you don't want to associate with that because if if I fit that part of a stereotype, people are going to associate me with all the negative stereotypes, which then that's just so overwhelming where yeah, you have a bunch of characteristics that fit in with a black stereotype because you are black and those are great things about you. And then you're scared to celebrate those great things about you because you're like, well, if people see my hair, then they're going to assume I'm, I'm these bad things that they think about black people. Absolutely. And then you just can't, you can't fucking win. You can't. You Yeah. Oh my God. That reminds me like even a good hair story because Side note of how much I love my braids. Like, they feel so, thanks. They feel so, like, just black and good. And, like, growing up as a kid, I wore them a lot. But I got teased for them at school and especially at my prep school, I remember. So I have huge curly hair. I love the shit out of my natural hair now. But it's funny. And I don't know if you've seen, like, I guess we can call them memes here. But these memes where it's, like, all the things that black kids were teased about you know, somehow are the the trend these days now are being celebrated. The hot thing now, yeah. Yeah, like, oh my God, you know, so it just, that it was just a funny thing to me because I remember I wore, I was so excited. My, um, my aunt is a cosmetologist. She's amazing. So she always like had my hair done as a kid. And one time I asked her, I was like, I want to embrace my natural hair. I saw something about it like in Ebony or Essence magazine. And I was like, I want my hair to be like that. So Instead of like my aunt doing the entire routine in my hair, she just like washed it, put products in it. And I excitedly went to school the next day. Like hair is huge. It's flowing. And like two white kids in my class are like, you look like a black Shirley Temple. And like it just. Fuck these kids. What the hell? I like went home. So I've never had like a relaxer, relaxer in my hair. But I went home and like begged my mom and my aunt for like a, oh, well, I didn't commit to a relaxer. Thank thank the Lord. But I did get a texturizer where it like loosens your curls. (laughs) To the point where, you know, they're essentially just looks like you have heat damage going on. You know, like my curls are so loose, like they're some straight pieces. And then you just follow through with the sitting under the dryer and then blow it out. And I went back to school, like, you know, fitting back into the world like that. That pisses me off so bad. You were so young and so proud. So excited. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) And then immediately, like just all the work too. And, you know, like even though all she had to do was wash it, but all the work that my aunt put in, like, you know, making sure it looked great, like tying it down for me the night before, like going off to school like I'm so excited I'm wearing this and just in a second like it's just stripped away and that just that's such a good example of like what so many black children go through or like quick mm-hmm. moments in their lives where we're so proud to be black Oop. yeah it, you know oh you don't fit into the white society like sorry try again and you know we just yeah I yeah, pray so. that those girls are thinking about that moment but it's it sucks because to people who are saying these comments that stick with us forever 
they probably don't even remember saying it. Wouldn't even. I feel like they'd hear the story and be like, ooh, who yeah. would do that to her oh, as a kid, you know? 100%. Like, <laughs> and it's so frustrating because yeah. it's like your words, especially for kids, carry such a big weight. And then that just was another event that caused you to hide who you are, hide who you are. And that yep. is just so yep. heavy on a person to not be allowed to be who they are. It's just, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I forgot what my natural hair was until maybe five years ago. Wow. <laughs> so four or five, yeah. Or in college. Hmm, let's not get to that. I'm kind of old. <laughs> You're but, like, yeah. I don't want to say my age. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, uh, you know, last year, right before I graduated undergrad. <laughs> <laughs> well, seriously, good for you for getting to that point in your journey. That is like little girls everywhere need to see that. And I'm yeah. so glad that now it is everything that anyone was ever made fun of is trendy now. That's great. But we need to be having those conversations of you don't just get to emulate all of these looks regardless of what race they came from. Like the the faux freckles were pissing me off for a while there because it's like (laughs) you were probably the person making fun of the little kids for having all the freckles over their face. That is true. I love that people want to embrace all of these different looks and we are finally like enjoying people looking different. But half of me is like, let those people look different. Let those people with freckles, let those people with curly hair, let the people, let, let the people look like they look and yeah, and embrace your and just, own way that you look like you don't have to copy what everyone else has either. It's so frustrating. Sorry. That was such a random tangent that yeah. I went on, but no, I, no oh, I, <laughs> I love them. I'm here for it. Cause I was going to like dive in and also say just, I was at Kroger yesterday. Um, I don't know if that's popular where you are, but it's a grocery store. <laughs> no, you're from Pittsburgh. Yeah, like, you know, you're from Pittsburgh. I know Kroger. What? <laughs> no, there are really some people that like have no idea. They're like, is it like a place <laughs> or whatever? I'm like, I don't. Yeah. But anyway, I, I was at the market, <laughs> was at the market. <laughs> yesterday and I was just waiting in the U-scan line and this grandma who's dealing with her three granddaughters and they're just giving, they're giving her hell, but it was the cutest thing. Like they were, they were little (laughs) black girls. They were just, you can tell they were definitely sisters. They're each like trying to decide. They're trying to pick something. Mm -hmm. They're stressing grandma out. She's just trying to use scan in the midst of it all. And just, I don't know, maybe my ADD just kicked in, but I just like stopped all three of them. And I was like, look at these beautiful braids. Look at you glowing. And each of them just stopped. They didn't even care. I think they threw whatever they had down. They were just so happy and like smiled. And I'm like, that's going to stick with them. It does. They look, oh my God, they're so cute. We need to be complimenting people more because we think of all the things that cause us trauma and have affected our mental health now looking back. Imagine more people say those kind words. And yeah, I know yeah, that like then, negative words always unfortunately carry more weight, but if we're all complimenting each other and saying these nice things and lifting yeah. each other up, maybe we can kind of outweigh those negative thoughts. So these right. young kids don't have to deal with the extreme mental health issues that are caused from all these rude ass comments. Yeah. Oh, assholes too. But especially because they were just these sweet little black girls. And it's like, I remember being a little kid with braids and it was because it's something that is convenient for our moms, especially because we do (laughs) usually have super thick hair. Everybody's busy. I just was blessed. And I had a knot, you know, that did hair, but sometimes she'd be busy in the summer. So as a black girl, you get braids growing up. You don't always want them. You're a little upset. And sometimes you like don't know why we don't feel our best. So I was just like, you know what? I know what it's like to have my braids. Like, let me let these little queens yes. know how cute they look. And they were just so like quiet with grandma after. Like each of them, you could just tell was like, 
I bet that grandma <laughs> loves you. She's like, thank fucking yeah. God for this stranger. I really wonder what they picked out. But yeah. <laughs> oh, so yeah. So that, I don't know. We just, I don't know. I just think the world needs to, we've celebrated everybody for so long. And we're, especially in America, we're always, this, we talk about how great of a melting pot we are. And we want to grab onto so many other cultures. And I'm like, just what about the ones that are here? What about the ones that you've tossed aside? Exactly. Like, celebrate black people, please. Like, exactly. We're so fun. <laughs> yeah. And I don't really think we can, like, continue focusing on black lives matter without talking about black mental health. Like that is just so important. And it's, it's such a big part of systemic racism that it it hasn't been discussed. And of course, mental health on every level needs talked about more, but I mean, just hearing about the little racist situations in your life that have now affected your mental health. It's like, let's start there. And then it'll be easier when we're older and we won't have all these traumas if we can stop yeah. living in a racist fucking world. Um, anyways, going to go on another tangent. I would like to go to some audience questions. I posted on my okay. Instagram story that we were recording this and asked okay. if anyone had some questions. So I'm going to check those and we are going to wrap the episode up with a few questions. So, okay. I really like this one because I feel like whether you struggle with mental health or not, we all kind of struggle with this. How do you pull your mind away from overthinking? Oh, that one is still a work in progress for me. But when I'm overthinking, I genuinely like now I'm to the point where I have to ask myself like three questions. I'm just like, I ask myself genuinely, like, what are you really thinking about? What's bothering you? So maybe 20 different thoughts, but what's the one thing that keeps circulating through your mind? And the second one, I'm like, how important is it? Do you feel it's important right now? And then on top of that one, this isn't the third question, but I also kind of ask myself, why is this important? And then to break it down, how is this truly like affecting me? What is it halting? What is it interfering with? And I know that may sound like kind of weird, but it's kind of, it makes me step back and be like, well, I don't know. Yeah, you know? that makes what, so what much can this sense. Person, you know? it, it helps yeah. put everything to, into perspective because I think yeah. a lot of times when we are overthinking whether it be due to anxiety or just in general life, it feels bigger than it is. I used to do this thing when I was a little kid that just reminded me and I need to start doing it again where I would say, is this going to matter in a week? Is it going to matter in a month? Is it going to matter in a year? So if I was crying about failing a test, I got to tell you, I don't remember a single test that I did great on or failed. I couldn't tell you today, but it was the worst thing in the world in that moment. So when I would say that, I think my mom taught me to do that. I need to start doing that again. And it also reminds me, my girlfriend had me do this thing the other day. It helps you come back to the present. So I was kind of having a breakdown and I, by kind of, I mean, I absolutely was. I don't know why I tried to sugarcoat that. All good. Yeah. (laughs) Like bawling my eyes out. And she had me look around the room and name five things I could see. And then three things I could smell and just stuff like that. She was asking me, what do you love about Frank, my dog. <laughs> what do you love yeah. about Riggins, our other dog? What do you love about me? Oh, I me? know. I stalk, I stalk all your dogs. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know them. So that helped me so much. And I didn't even realize it, but by the end of it, I had calmed down. Well, then she asked me a question, name three things you like about yourself. And I started crying again. And then calmed down again. She asked me more questions. And I think our little ways of bringing us back to ourselves and our bodies and what's happening right now. What can we feel? What can we taste? What can we hear? That was so uh, the hear, when she said, 
name three things you hear. That helped me so much because I could only hear like one or two things when I just like didn't really try and didn't really focus. Yeah. Or, and you have to stop talking too. So whatever you may have been freaking out about verbally, you've got to take a step back and pay attention to what else, what other noise is there. I think that's, that's a big one. Yeah. Your way of doing it. It it makes so much sense. That's so helpful to just get present, focus on what's happening right then. It's like, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's great. And then the fact that you like, it is such an easily distractible thing. Like the fact that someone can pull you out of an anxiety attack and be like, Oh, by the way, what's over there? That should show you like, it's not as detrimental as Mm -hmm. it feels like it's so, so, so serious that I can take a second away and be like, Oh, Oh, okay. You know, does that make sense? Like you, you're able to, it's so minor, hopefully that you could just take a step to the side, you know, like it is not, you're not in imminent danger. Like you are not about to blow up if you stop thinking about this thing that's oh so important in that moment feel so. like you're having a heart attack, Absolutely. but you are not. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, yeah, you can't turn on and off panic attacks, but you can practice these little things and find, I think everyone just needs to find their thing, whether it's breathing, whatever gets you back to present and right where you are and in your body to kind of turn it off. And then ha- feeling like you have that power is just that so powerful to be like, wow, Absolutely. I ended that, that con- I got yeah. through that. So yeah. And it's such a pride. It's, it's a thing to be proud of too. And like I told you earlier, I listen to those affirmations on Spotify. Mm-hmm. So I think I, like I said, I've had to retrain my brain a lot. Um, with, thankfully professionally yeah. I had help, but now it's, it's a lot of it's up to me. I still have my therapist. I still have my psych. Um, I've kind of started like cutting back on my teletherapy calls with my therapist because there are some things and she knows that there are some things that I'm trying to work on, on my own, yeah. like with handling things or not feeling like, if I don't text, and I have such a great one. She's so accessible. I can text her when I'm like panicking about things or, you know, but I'm I trying. Yeah. And it's so helpful, but I'm also trying, I know it's her job. Doesn't bother her a bit, but I'm trying to step back and handle it on my own. And to some people that may seem like, oh, like, oh, you've got to put so much work into, you know, staying a floater. And it's like, it's really not, it becomes easier over time. Like it, and, you know, and some people judge it if you have to think things through more than they do. And it's just, you don't have to. <laughs> like, help yeah. And especially for a person who wants to be self-sufficient, I know that's really my problem. It It's nice to know that you can do it on your own too. So having that option of your therapist is just a text away is great. But then knowing that you can kind of self-soothe is so powerful. I think that alone would help me be calm to be like, oh, I can handle this. I can do this on yeah. my own. Yep. I'm feeling so calm just like doing talking about all this right now. It's seriously so helpful. Like everyone, please go to therapy. Don't be like me. Please do it. (laughs) Okay. Another question from our audience. I'm obsessed over my work just to distract from my anxiety, but this helped me succeed. How do I deal? Are they saying that to avoid or to help their anxiety, they push themselves into working? How do they stop doing that? Yeah. So it, it seems like this person is using work to distract from their anxiety, which yeah, same. Yeah, but that's same. a struggle when you have found your success by throwing yourself into your work because of your anxiety. So yeah. you're like scared to get a healthy relationship with your anxiety because then is that going to make right. you not successful? Then you're like, am I going to not be as – yeah, okay. I think I can kind of help on this. And Please. <laughs> I'm like, I need this maybe? too. <laughs> I'm like, hopefully this is a good one. Okay, so what I do – now I'm like, okay, maybe it's not that grand, but what, what I do, um, I'm one of those people that I have to, so you can still consider this working. I have to write my day 
down like sometimes hour by hour. But when I'm really anxious, I stick to the hour by hour thing and I set alarms. And I don't know, depending on the type of work some people do, I don't know if this is easy for everyone, but I'll just say in general, just plan your days, but stick to a strict like workload schedule and a time to breathe schedule. And then like, don't be hard on yourself when you're like, oh, that like, okay. So for me, sometimes what I'll do is I'll take a lunch break and then I, I'm like breaking, but then it's kind of like working just a little where I'm like editing things for people. Um, I don't have like a writing, writing company, but I do like fact check some tech writing and blah, blah, blah. So I guess one of those moments where I'm like, okay, stop reading, you know, and, but then I'll pick up my phone and like read something in the news. And I'm like, was that, and then I'm hard on myself because I'm like, well, you didn't really relax. And I'm like, but at the same time I did, I'm not working. I took a step back. So I don't, I don't know if that makes the most sense, but I think it's just, you take work so seriously, but treat yourself as well during the work day. Like you are just important as this pile of, depending on what they do, pile of papers right in front of you that needs to be handled, that needs to be treated well, timely. So I don't know if that. Yeah. I definitely noticed that when I schedule out my day, I feel so much better. I've actually given that advice a lot, not really realizing how much it was it does help with my anxiety as well. But yeah, it just schedule in taking, dealing with your anxiety. Do it for real. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you have those moments, then you're going to make sure that you're like being well-rounded and focusing on Mm -hmm. work. But it's like, I, I hear that you're successful because you're throwing yourself into work, but you know how much more successful you could be if you dealt with the anxiety first and then exactly. threw yourself into work? Because it's yeah. always there. I know you're using it as a distraction, but your anxiety is still back there. So it's still distracting. Absolutely. Having a good fucking yeah, time. It's like running <laughs> like, around your mind going yes. crazy. So yeah, <laughs> yes. if you're this successful by working while you have the anxiety, imagine how great you could be if you dealt with the anxiety and then yeah. did the work. Absolutely. So I think, yeah. So some people, again, depending on what they do, just either take some time before work, during, if it's possible, after, or even a full day. Like, and that's another thing sometimes like with mental health, I think I'm not speaking for people, but you can kind of tell sometimes when people are kind of accessorizing it. And I believe in self-care, we all do, but then there are the people that are like, are you feeling anxious because of work? Set aside that self-care Sunday. And like, that's fine. That's good. If you're, if you know, there are people who like stick to that day, they need it. But like for those of us where it's kind of a little too romantic for my being, and I'm like, well, I'm too sad to get up and go put a face mask on. I am too stuck to my bed to do this. So I don't know, sometimes just like things that not more realistic, but I don't know, you can accomplish it a little easier. It's, it's, it's definitely, I don't know. I'll just say realistic for now. (laughs) You just gave me such a wake up call because, so I, I love doing face masks to calm down and to relax. pretend like I'm fine though. <laughs> yeah. And I always say like, oh, that's how I do my self-care. And I've even recommended that to people when they're having anxiety. And I'm having such an epiphany right now that when I'm actually having a down moment, I'm not even washing my face or brushing my teeth, let alone doing a face mask. I didn't crawl into the, I'm like having to bribe myself to shower on the days where I'm so down mm-hmm. and I'm just like, come on, you like, you know, and it's, and you know, and there's nothing wrong with face masks. No shame to those who do it because good Lord, my entire bathroom <laughs> is stocked with them. Like catch me on any day, but you know, it's, it is important to note that self-care while it's amazing, while it's fun, it's just not as realistic sometimes as we push yeah. it. Cause to me, when I think of face masks, sometimes that's like my fake, um, that's me pretending like life's fine. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, look at my face mask. Oh, I just paint my nails. And I'm like, 
so distraught on the mm-hmm. inside. There's like, you know, I don't know. So yeah, it's a great first step for self-care, but you need to take it Absolutely. farther and really deal with going what's going on in your head, whether you're writing stuff down, Absolutely. going to therapy. Self-care should not end with face masks, I think is the takeaway. Or tea, because you cannot, right, you cannot herbal tea yourself <laughs> to death and be better. Like, I can promise you, can't herbal you, tea your tried inside your way. Yeah. I wish we could. I have tried it. <laughs> like, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It does. I'm here to tell you. It does not. <laughs> yeah. So before we wrap up this episode, and God, I can't thank you enough. I feel like I just had a whole therapy session. I'm going to go <laughs> really focus on my mind for the rest of the day. Absolutely. Do you have anything else that you would like to share? I do. I just want to like throw in, I guess we'll, we'll jump to serious me for a second. Um, just because I yes. reasons why I want more people to, did you want serious me sooner? No, I want it right now. Cause I just love the vibe. <laughs> I'm like, tell me everything. You just like, all of a sudden I'm like noticing your glasses. Not that that like, uh, that has like a stigma of being smarter, <laughs> but you can tell that I'm like, but you can tell I'm ready for this shit. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, she's going, she's going to tell me some good shit. I'm like, I'm all ears. Yeah. I am. I am. And I'll even like kind of read my notes there, but um, I'll jump from my whatever to serious. But how I've talked to you about this before, where I've said like black people don't have mental health issues. We're just supposed to pray that shit away or, you know, like laugh it off or, you know, just like go with the flow. And I think that that makes us like susceptible, Successful? what the <laughs> hell am I trying to say? Susceptible to being viewed as like these little like creatures essentially that like, like I said earlier, don't need the same love or affection or care, you know, and then that's more harm than it's good because black people genuinely are 20% more like likely, more likely to experience mental health problems because, because of our early exposure to such traumatic events, like racial trauma. And honestly, like black people kind of come out the gate. Yeah. Like black people come out the gate struggling. Like we are born into the system that was just not built for us. We're having to thrive, you know, and but they're like, we're, we're like those hamsters on a wheel, Mm -hmm. essentially just by being black. Sometimes like we are running and running and running and trying our hardest, but no matter what, those resources still aren't available for us. People don't think about it. Like we're just trying our hardest to like stay alive. And like I said, that's because of like what we talked about earlier, trying to fit in, or even the early racial traumas that we like are exposed to before we even know what's Mm -hmm. going on. You know, those, those early talks, you know, about things that, you know, non-black kids don't have to think about it's different for us. Um, and like some people just another thing, I think why mental health isn't taken seriously for us is because if we talk about the mad black woman, or when you even think about those angry black guys, you're essentially, you don't even think that they could possibly not you, but you know, people don't think that they could possibly be going through anything mentally challenging because it's already just assumed that they come from this like hard ass rough past. So they're good. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're not bothered mentally. They're just dealing with some life shit, you know, maybe drugs, maybe their corner got hit, you know, something stupid, you know, on a stereo, like stereotypical form. But yeah. Um, I don't know. I I also wanted to point out before we go, and this is something I'm going to dive into on my blog, but for any, like, when it comes to medical resources, I think right now it is important for Black people to seek out, I mean, like, keep, I have a white gyno, I'm going to keep her, I love her, but seek out um, more Black medical professionals, people that do understand us on a different level. Like, it is great. I have a white therapist, but I've even been speaking to her, letting her know I am going to transition into a Black therapist because there are times where I know she's trying her hardest, but she, and I can't fault her, but at the same time, it's like, come on, you need to, some medical professionals still need to go to a cultural training, cultural training. But like I told my girlfriend once, I was talking with my therapist and this is when, I don't know if you've seen it or not on Netflix, but when they see us came out Mm -hmm. on Netflix, 
um, about the, you know, the Central Park Five <sighs> wrongful conviction. And I remember talking, yeah, I, I've only still only made it three episodes in. I made the mistake of watching it on a plane and was like bawling my eyes out. Ooh, yeah, yeah. So it's a rough one. I'm like, I've been trying to watch it for like months now. But it's heavy. I remember when I mentioned it, it is, I uh, mentioned it to my therapist. I can't remember when it came out now, but just because I don't have an exact date, let's say last fall, because it had to come out at some point mm-hmm. last year. Last fall, I'm talking to her about it. And I'm like, you know, I keep seeing a lot of my like black friends and family are mentioning like this really heavy show, like I need to watch it. And mind you, I'm still like dealing with a lot of anxiety while talking to her. And she's, she goes, well, I don't know. Why would you want to watch that? And I was like, well, and because I'm black. And she's like, well, are you want to watch just because you're black? Do you feel like you owe it to your community? And I was like, yeah, actually, I, I, I do. <laughs> I That's something I want to know what happened. And she's like, well, I just, you know, I don't think that's good on you. You're anxious and la, la, la. Like, you don't want to send yourself into something sadder. And on some level, I can get where she was going with that. I don't want you to take on something mm-hmm. else. But at the same time, I'm like, fuck that. Like, how nice and luxurious in your mind to be able to put it so far from you that not only can you let it go you have the nerve to tell your patient who is black don't deal with that part of yourself like take that part take that jacket off take that black jacket Mm -hmm. off for a second like you're good that's fine and I think that's really important because I only want to bring that up because I saw someone like DM me one day and was like do you think it's a little prejudice to you know say only go to like black doctors and blah blah blah. and I'm like not at all (laughs) not at all you have to with any health professional, you need to go to somebody who makes you feel comfortable. They're not all one size fits all. Um, like I've been to a gay therapist because I don't really think a straight therapist with all the training in the world will necessarily be able to understand. And I want a professional who has studied, but I also want a person who is going to get me on another level. So whatever that other level is, I think that's such a great point to, Find a therapist who understands what you're going through, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, you would go, yeah, you would go, you, well, not you, but you know, a lot of people, when they think of their gyno, they most times want a woman. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people do. And I'm like, there is nothing different from someone who wants a female inspecting their parts to a black person that, you know, can still, you know, like we want to go to a female because one, she has the same parts I do for the most part, you know. You get what I'm saying here. Um, I'm, like, I'm trying. I'm not trying to, you know, not include everyone, but just for this general term. I am- oh my gosh, no. We, yeah. You want you want to go to somebody who, who gets you. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And, who can think it off of that? Yeah, like your therapist meant well by saying and had all these good intentions, right. but then that ended up causing additional issues so yeah because I yeah I smiled it off because I'm still not she's great I you know thought to myself I'm like you know she meant well I'm not I'm not upset but you know it it was something that just kind of like played for me for a while and I was like well I don't know but that's pretty much find the right therapist takeaway is go to therapy find the right therapist talk Can't about the therapy. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, these are the steps that I will be taking. If you all want to take with me, go to, the therapy, go folks. to therapy. Please, please. I roll in hot to my therapist. You're like, sometimes. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, let me tell you what I've been going through. So yeah, I don't know. So myself and everyone listening who has been wanting to take that leap to go to therapy, we're going to do it. I will keep you guys updated on future episodes that I'm going. You guys hold me accountable. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm holding you accountable. I'm texting you about this. And I want people, if they want to, if they 
I don't know if they need more like resources on where to go. Cause I kind of, let's see, I've got a nice little like stack of resources state by state, specifically black people that needed on my, in- well, it's not on my Instagram. It'll be on the blog, but people can DM me on Instagram. Yeah. You have so many great resources that, and like things that I think people don't even think about needing. And it is, we are so lacking information on health, mental health and specifically in the black community. So if anyone's listening would like those resources and just in general want to learn more about Taylor and all the amazing, amazing shit she does and will continue to do, please go follow her. Um, your Instagram handle is Taylor X Patrick. Taylor. Yes. Mm-hmm. The letter. So Taylor, the letter X and Patrick. Yes. Yes. And then <laughs> go follow her. Stay tuned because the blog is going to be remarkable and amazing. Go tell all your friends. Taylor, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. You're the best. This was so fun. <sighs> I feel like lighter after this. I really do. This is amazing. Mm-hmm.